Amen. I love that song that we just sang. Our God is risen. Hallelujah. How many know that he's already won the victory in your life? Amen. Amen. I love that song because it's a reminder of what he's already done for us. Death couldn't hold him and the grave couldn't even contain him. Amen. Amen. I'm going to hit on that a little bit later, but I want to speak to you today about uh, a well-known story in the Bible of David and Goliath. It's a very familiar story and one you were probably taught in uh, Sunday school if if you had Sundays, if you were born and grown up in the church. Um, but today we're gonna we're gonna look a little deeper, and we're gonna start looking at how God has given you as a believer the advantage. Amen. And you might say that well, David had a skill or a or a technical advantage over his enemy because he knew how to work a slingshot. But I want to go deeper today into his biggest advantage over the giant in his life. And I've entitled this message, The Unseen Advantage. The Unseen Advantage. And I want you to understand that David's ultimate advantage was not a skill, but it was a spiritual advantage. Amen. It wasn't mainly about his technique, but about his trust in God that gave him the real advantage. And so I want to pick up in the story starting in 1 Samuel 17, verses 45. But for a little bit of context, David and Goliath are both at their battle lines, and Goliath is about to die. But he obviously doesn't know that. In fact, he laughs when he sees David and how small he is, because David was just a little shepherd boy. He was not what you would think of as a warrior in battle. And so we know that this thing is going to end with God's people being victorious. And it's always easier to fight the battle when you know the ending, right? And so David is very confident when he walks up to the Philistine. And, and so look at uh, 1 Samuel 17, verses 45. It says, Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. So he came in the name of the Lord Almighty. Amen? That's his real advantage. You see, on one hand, he was at the advantage because of, of the way he fought. But more importantly, he was at the advantage because of why he fought and who he was fighting for. Praise God. Amen. Lord Jesus, I pray that you, would, that you would bless your word and that you would make it become alive to us this morning. Help us to see the giants in our life, Lord God, for what they really are and help us to see that we have the advantage in any situation. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me and open up our hearts and open up your, your gifts, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now David said to Goliath, you come against me. You see, he recognized the resistance for what it really was. The fact is, I'm standing here looking at a really big enemy, but the deeper fact in reality is that I'm not fighting by myself, nor am I fighting for myself. 
And so this morning, I want you to think of the giants in your life today. I want you to think of the giants in your life and when they come at you. You see, David says in, in this phrase something that we all need to be aware of because the enemy is going to come against you. And, and so David's not surprised by this and he's not complaining because Goliath is coming. He says, you come against me with, with sword and spear and, and a shield. Oh, I know this is going to be a fight. I know I'm not just going to go to heaven coasting my way through life without any problems in it. I know that there's going to be some struggles and I know that life is going to come against me whether I serve God or not. Life happens and life is going to come against me whether I love Jesus or not. Life's going to come against me. And I wonder sometimes why we as Christians are often so surprised by the struggle. We are always surprised every time we struggle. If you think just because you love God and you are a good person that you will not have any problems in life, then you're setting yourself up for a disappointment because you're going to have to deal with some disadvantages. And so David was not surprised by that. He wasn't caught off guard by that. He was not intimidated by that. He was not stopped by that. He just accepted that. You come against me. So just wake up every day of your life knowing that life sometimes is going to come against you. Some bills might come against you. Some pain in your lower back might come against you. A person that you work with that you might prefer to walk right by might be coming against you, might say some things against you. But if you're surprised when you face some resistance in your life, you will not be armed for the fight you'll be caught off guard. And maybe that's why Jesus warned us in John 16, verses 33. He said, I have told you these things so that in you, or so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In the world, you will have trouble. Things will come against you in the world, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so what is, what is coming against you currently in this season of your life as a believer? What, what giants are you facing in your life right now? I want you to think of those things. And, and whatever it is, as a child of God, you have the advantage. Amen? Touch somebody next to you and tell them you have the advantage. I just want you to know that you have the advantage. And this is true for everyone who has Jesus living on the inside of them. He has given you a divine advantage. But the problem is very few Christians act on it. And so you go through life and these giants come at you and they come against you like Goliath came against David. And every one of us has an advantage over spiritual opposition, but very few act on it. And I believe one of the reasons that very few of us act on it is because other people make it look so easy. And we are shocked when it's hard for us. Have you ever met somebody and it seems like they have this special advantage in their relationship with God? Like they just are buddy-buddy are with him and, and they, they just know so much more scripture and they hear from God all the time. Well, guess what? They're working off the same Bible that you're working with. 
the same God as you are. And God says that he is no respecter of persons. You see, they just spent longer in the prayer closet. They just spent longer studying his word. Amen? Every believer has an advantage, but very few act on it. Amen? Has anyone uh, ever worked with someone who is always negative? You might, you know, you might not have the best of job or the best position, but you make the best out of it. And you look on the positive side of things. And, and then there are the others who work for the same company and they have the same boss and even the same position. But they are always so negative and they're talking about how horrible things are for them. And instead of having the attitude of, I wouldn't rather it be anywhere, I wouldn't rather be anywhere else because I know that God has put me here to be a witness in this very place and time, and, and, and time for, for me to be a witness for Him. If we could get our minds off of the bad things in our life and focus on the advantages God has given us, what could we do? You see, you can either see the advantages or not, but if you, it would blow your mind if you ever really could see the advantage you already have. It would blow your mind. And, and so here's what David comes in because Goliath had been defying the people of God for 40 days. And they put up with it, but not David. You see, David said, you come against me with a sword, a spear, and a shield, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. And here's what's interesting, because any of the Israelites could have said that same speech, and it would have been true for them too. Think about that. There were others that were good with a slingshot and were much more fit for battle, but only one spoke up. All of God's people had the advantage and had God fighting for them. They were even trained for battle and they were much more expert in their military ability than David was. It wasn't that he had the greatest ability of the, of the group, but he had the greatest awareness of his advantage. You see, he didn't have a different advantage. He had a greater awareness. You don't need a greater advantage to face what life is bringing at you. What you need is a greater, wit a greater awareness of the advantage that God has already given you in this life. Amen. Think about it. If, if you have Jesus living in you, then you have the same spirit that Paul and the apostles had. And look what they did. They changed their world around. Now, I'm not saying that you need to preach, but I am saying that the same spirit that not only lived in the apostles, but the scripture says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Talk about an advantage. Jesus goes up against death, and he walks out of the tomb, and, and death can't hold him down. You've got that same advantage working in you. Amen. And so sometimes you need to remind your life and remind your enemy and remind the devil, I've got the advantage. Why? Why? Because I got connections. Not because I'm so good, but because I know somebody who is. Amen. Tell your neighbor that I got connections. I got connections. And so the whole group of Israelites was looking at the same situation. And the majority saw an impossible obstacle in Goliath. 
But David decided to see it differently. He said, this is not an impossible obstacle. This is an incredible opportunity. You see, opposition does not prevent the presence of God. It provides an opportunity to prove the presence of God in your life. Did you get that? Opposition does not prevent the presence of God. It provides an opportunity to prove the presence of God. Or how else will the world know that you have a divine advantage given to you by your heavenly Father if you never even faced anything? If, if nothing ever comes against you, how can you be an overcomer if there is nothing for you to overcome? You see, if it, it's, it's not how life comes at you, it's, it's your view of how life comes at you that gives you the advantage. So what are the advantages that God has made available to you that you've been unaware of in your life? You see, perception is the key to power. David was, was not stronger than, than the others. He just had a different perception than the others. And that gave him the advantage. And so how do I increase my awareness of my advantage? I, I believe that Jesus lives in me. And, and I, like, I like Jesus. We're cool. We're tight. But I want to see things others don't see. And so how do I increase my awareness? And what I would tell you is you need to act as if. Act as if you have the advantage. If you feel timid, but you need to be bold, well then act as if you are bold. If you're facing a situation that's difficult and you need to stand up for something that's right, but you don't feel like you have the faith, Stand up will act as if you have the faith. Amen. I think when David made his little speech, he was he was nervous and, and he was afraid because you can you can even see it in, in some of the Psalms that he wrote how sometimes he struggled to believe God was with him. And I, I believe that he was nervous. I believe his hands were shaking. Even though he was talking tough, he got the stone out. He did what he needed to do. But don't you know this little shepherd's hands, they were shaking. This wasn't a lion. It wasn't a bear. This is a big man. This is a giant with 100 pounds of armor. But if you can learn how to load your sling while your hands are shaking and your palms are sweaty, you might say, fake it till you make it. But I say, Act until you believe it. Just act as if and speak in faith. Just walk in faith. Sometimes you just got to talk yourself into it and say, right now I've got to act as if I have the advantage. And if you'll only act like you have the advantage initially, you will become aware of the advantage that was there all along. You will become aware of it and, 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 there was all along, it's, it's called walking by faith and not by sight. Amen? Praise God for the unseen advantage that he has given us. Now there was a great reward on the line for whoever killed Goliath. Not only do you glorify God, but you get a wife and you don't ever have to pay taxes again. That's a pretty cool deal. Did you know that? <laughs> but here's the sad thing. 
And are you ready for this? An unseen advantage is an unclaimed reward. An unseen advantage is an unclaimed reward. Anybody could have stepped up that day and fought and claimed the victory. But because the advantage was unseen, the reward was unclaimed. So there was this college student that went to a, a ministry office at his college and, and he said, I need some help. I'm, I'm hungry. I haven't had that much to eat and I don't have much money. I need a little help. And this is the ministry office. And so I was wondering if you could help me. And so the director looked at the boy and said, boy, let me see your ID card. And so he got his ID card out and the director looked at the back and that had a little code and he said, boy, your parents bought you a full meal plan. You could be eating three meals a day in the dining hall. Your ID card is also your meal plan and it's already been fully paid. And so I want to tell you today, your ID card is also your meal plan. David said in Psalm 23, 5, he said, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. So, so you're hungry for something that your father already paid for. Praise God. It's time to claim your reward. It's time to claim your joy. It's time to claim your peace. Your, your, claim your advantage in the name of Jesus because he has already paid for it. Amen. Aren't you, aren't you thankful that he paid it all? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. So we'll look at 1 Samuel 17, verse 50. David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and he killed him. And so what happens next seems kind of out of context or bizarre, I guess, but David wasn't satisfied with just knocking the giant out or just killing the giants. And when I, when I read the next verse to you, you're going to wonder why in the world this was a, a, a Bible story that we, that we teach children. <laughs> but this is actually the part that we skip in Sunday school uh, because it says in verse 51, David ran and he stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. And after he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. And when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran away. Amen. So then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to, to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. There were dead, were, their dead were strewn along the Shariam road to Gath and Ekron. And when the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. And so verse 54, now imagine this um, on the kid's life wall in class. David took the Philistine's head and brought it to Jerusalem. <laughs> he brought the, the man's head. He didn't even have a cooler. He just brought, he just brought the head. He didn't get it embalmed. He just carried the head and he put the Philistines' weapons in his own tent. <laughs> Sorry, this is getting a little graphic. And so as Saul watched David going out to meet the Philistine, he said to Abner, commander of the army, Abner, whose son is in the, is, is, who is this young man? 
you still you see he still didn't recognize um, who David was. And that's all right because it's not what people recognize about you that gives you the advantage. It's what God puts in you that gives you the advantage. And I, I said, it's not what people recognize about you. It's about what God puts in you. Amen? And so Abner replied, as surely as you, li- as you live, your majesty, I don't know. The king said, find out whose son this young man is. And this part is what makes me laugh. Because it says, as soon as David returned from killing the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with David still holding the Philistine's head. (laughs) This boy is bad, okay? Verse 58 says, Whose son are you, young man? And Saul Saul asked him, and, and David said, I am the son of your servant Jesse of Bethlehem. I want to tell you that you need to stop surviving on what God has called you to conquer. It's not God's will for you to merely survive what God has called you to conquer. And so you ask, why cut off his head? Because to us, that seems barbaric and brutal. But in ancient Middle Eastern tradition, it was just symbolic. It was a sign of total victory. And so when they would take the head and display the head, it just meant like we'd cut them off completely. And that's what David intended to do. I, I, I read a little uh, something in a Bible commentary, and it said that returning home from the slaughter of the Philistines, the Israelite army plundered the enemy camp. This common ancient practice is illustrated not only elsewhere in the Old Testament, meaning it wasn't just like a thing that, the gods, that God's people did, They're not the only ones who decapitate their enemies. But there was an Egyptian who said that this this after battle, what he had planned to do to me, I did to him. I took what was in his tent and stripped his encampment. And here's why I'm making a big deal out of this, because the Israelites were satisfied to stay stuck in survival mode. All they wanted was to not die at the hands of Goliath. But David was so committed to the purpose of God in his life that not only was he going to knock him out, but he cut off his head to symbolize total victory. And I think a lot of believers are satisfied and they just stop at salvation and and just be like, well, I'm not going to hell when I die. I repented of my sins. I was baptized and I got the Holy Ghost and I go to church every so often and I'm a pretty good person. I'll make it to heaven and so I'm just satisfied. And I, I I just have to knock Goliath out, you know, and, and then just stand there. But God has called you into a process called sanctification where your life is becoming more and more like him. You see, he didn't just come so that we can escape. He, can, he comes so that we can eliminate every trace of the enemy and every darkness from our lives. Too many believers are playing not to lose. Yet know that David didn't just defeat the enemy, he destroyed the enemy. Destroyed him. Now, what could be said about David in this regard could be said a a thousand times more about Jesus. He didn't just defeat sin, he destroyed it. Jesus didn't just die to deliver us from death, he died so that we may reign in life. You see the parallels? 
He didn't just get sin out of the way so that we could survive and go to heaven. He cut off the head of sin so that we would no longer have power in our life. So we, would, we no longer have to live these self-consumed, selfish, lust-driven, impulse-driven lives. Amen? I wish that somebody in this place would finish the job. Finish the job. That's the word God wanted somebody to get today. You are saved. You, are, you love God. You're in church and you're doing pretty good. But let's finish the job. Let's cut off the head. Let's not just survive the struggle. We've got the enemy on the run. Now let's take his sword. Let's take his sword and finish the job. Amen. 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 It says that David went into battle without a sword, but he left the battle with one because he took what was coming against him and God used it to deliver him. Praise God. This is the word for someone's situation today. The very thing that was meant to destroy you will be the thing that God uses to deliver you. He'll turn it around and it'll work in your favor. Praise God. Amen. He was so bold, he went into Goliath's own tent. If you look back at verse 54, he took the Philistine's head and brought it to Jerusalem. He put the Philistine's weapon, weapons in his own tent. And so when I first read it, I, I thought it was David's tent. But remember, David wasn't planning on staying. He was just taking over the enemy's camp. And so David didn't put the Phil Philistine's weapons in his tent. He put the Philistines' weapons in the Philistines' tent. And this reminded me um, of a song that some, some churches sing. You might have heard it before. And it says, You're an army dressed for battle. Take the land. Take the land. The weapons of our warfare, they are mighty through our God. We cut off the giant's head. We eat giants for our bread. I actually heard of a kid who was singing the last part of that song at their school and they got suspended for it. So don't tell your kids that song. But I wanted to focus on the chorus of that song. You're an army dressed for battle. Take the land. Take the land. You see, Jesus didn't save you so you can just make it to heaven, but he called you to take back territory here on the earth. And so I'm saying that until you finish the job, until you get past the place, don't just settle for doing God's will. Well, I'm not smoking or I'm not doing drugs anymore. I'm not an alcoholic anymore. Isn't that cool? Isn't that good enough? But the job isn't finished until you've walked with Jesus to the point where not only do you not do it anymore, but he wants you to get to you that point where you don't even desire it anymore. It might take months and it might even take years, but if you stick with God and if you finish the job, it will happen. Because he wants to cut the head off that thing that is holding you back from your calling. And so what is holding you back this morning? God is saying, finish the job. Amen? Jesus said in, in John 10, verses 10, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come so that you might have life and have life more abundantly. Not just that you might live, but you might live abundantly. That you might really trust 
that you might really worship, that you might really pray, finish the job. Some of us need to decide today, I'm not satisfied with just knocking Goliath out. I'm not satisfied with just going to heaven. I'm not stopping till I have total victory in all of the areas in my life that Jesus died to redeem. Amen? I'm not just going to be stressed out all the time at home. I'm not going to do it. I'm not just going to push Goliath over in, in, in the corner and just let him be a centerpiece in my house. I'm going to take his head off. And so not only am I going to get rid of that bad habit or that addiction, I am going to cut it off completely. Amen? Not only am I going to live life, I'm going to enjoy my life living for God. Not only am I going to stay married, I'm going to enjoy my marriage. I'm actually going to love my wife. You see, the very thing that was meant to destroy you may be the thing that God uses to deliver you. Amen? Amen? Amen. A few moments earlier, the sword was threatening to take David's life. But in a moment, because of his faith and his awareness of the advantage that God had given him, he took the sword that was meant to kill him and he used it to kill his enemy. You have the advantage. But what I'm trying to get you to see through this sermon and what I want you to leave as I come to a close this morning is to realize that today's attack just might become tomorrow's advantage. Amen. The thing that looks like it's going to take you out today just might be the thing that God uses to sustain you tomorrow. If we fast forward 14 years, David is on the run from King Saul. He has gone from being a champion that Saul can rely on to fight his battles to being a sworn enemy of Saul. You see, Saul was intimidated by David because David was doing his job a little too well. Because remember, the same thing that works to your advantage will also create some attacks. And so David has to leave in such a hurry that he doesn't even get a chance to grab his weapons. And he, and he comes up on the temple and he calls for the priests and he, and he needs two things. He wants some help from the man of God and he says, I need some bread for my men. The priest, <clears throat> the priest gives him some consecrated bread. You see, he wasn't supposed to give him consecrated bread, but God will break rules to bless you. That's what grace is all about. And then it says in 1 Samuel 21, verses 8, that David asked Ahimelech, it's been 14 years since David killed Goliath with a sling and a stone. 14 years since he cut off his head and displayed it for all of Israel to see. And David asked Ahimelech, don't you have a spear or a sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapons because the king's mission was urgent and then the priest replied in verse 9 the sword of Goliath the Philistine whom you killed in the valley of Elah is here you see because your past victories will be waiting for you in a place of your future assignment if you'll just finish the job
He said, the sword of Goliath is the only sword here, David. I wish I could help you, but we don't have a lot of military supply on hand. But we got this one sword. It is the sword of Goliath the Philistine whom you killed in the Valley of Elah. It's here and it's wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. You see, the ephod was, was the linen garment that the priests wore and, and they would use it to discern the will of God. And he said, wrapped behind the ephod is the sword. And he said, if you want to take it, there is no sword here but that one. And so look at David's response in the next verse. He said, he said, there is none like it. There is none like it. Give it to me. And some of us need to get that same spirit. Give it to me because I have some giants to kill. Here is David thinking back like I remember when that same sword was aimed at my heart. But I remember when everybody said I had no business fighting that giant. And I remember when my brother told me my heart was wicked and I didn't even have the right motives. And I remember when Saul told me to sit down and, and sit on the bench. You're just a little shepherd boy. I remember when Goliath said, I, I'm about to feed your carcass to the birds of the air. But guess what I remember? How I triumphed over the giant. Not by sword or spear. I triumphed over him in the name of the Lord. And I, I took that sword by the will of the Lord. Now give it to me. Now give it to me. I fought that battle. I made it through. I didn't die. And they said, they said I couldn't. They said I wouldn't. But I, but I did. Now give it to me. I got another battle to fight. I got another enemy to strike down. Give it to me. And I want to tell somebody, you might be under attack right now. But I wanted you to know that what faith does is it turns the attack into your advantage. How, you ask? Because the sword was wrapped. What was the sword wrapped in? It was wrapped in the ephod. And the ephod represented the will of God. You see, when you really embrace the will of God for your life, the attack becomes the advantage. Amen? If you'd stand in this place, I want you to think of, about if you could lose your job tomorrow, but God could use it for your advantage. Maybe you were burning yourself out at work and you were ignoring your family, or, or God wants you to have a better position and the only way to get a new position is to lose your current one. What happens is that the attack becomes the advantage. It could be as simple as you running late for, for something and, and you get a flat on top of that. But just moments later, the exact intersection that you would have been crossing, someone ran the red light and you would have, would have hit you. What happens? The attack became the advantage. I heard of a guy who was, who was an atheist who got cancer. So now God didn't give the cancer. It's Goliath's sword, not God's. And I don't know if he ever was healed from the cancer, but he said not to worry about it because getting cancer was the best thing that happened to him. 
because if he would not have been diagnosed with cancer, he never would have found God. And this is what God does. He, he's, he's here. He hears what I want you to, here's what I want you to know. When I'm under attack in my life, and when things come at me, I'm going to give you one more weapon before I'm done here, and then you can go to lunch. When I'm under attack, when life comes at me, I go to one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, and that's Romans 8, verses 28. And Paul says, and we know that in all things, every attack in all things, God works for the good. All things not, are not good. Goliath's sword is not good. It's not a good thing, but God will take all things and work them for your good. Amen? If you love him and you are called according to his purpose. You see, David was called according to his purpose, and so he took the thing that should have killed him, and God used it to kill his enemy. Praise God. I'm so thankful that I know a God who paid it all. I'm so thankful I know God works in every one of my problems, in every hurt, in every pain, and he works it for my good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you'd bow your heads, Lord, you are so good and mighty. Lord, I thank you for always working for my advantage. Lord, even though I may not see it all of the time, I can't see how my current situation could be worked for my good. But Lord, I trust in you. Help me to put my faith and my trust back in you and not in my own ability, but on your promises. Lord, you are my rock. You are my firm foundation. Help me to become more aware of the advantage in my current situation so that I can claim the reward. Hallelujah, Jesus. Help me, Lord, so that the giants in my life will become my advantage. Hallelujah, the altar is open. The altar is open. Come and thank God this morning for the advantage that he has given you, that he has promised you. And thank him for his goodness and ask him to help you to see that unseen advantage in your life. Amen. Ask him to open your eyes and know that he loves you and that he has your back because he's fighting for you. And if he's fighting for you, who can be against you? Hallelujah, Jesus.